Welcome to episode 26, where today we are going to be reading chapter 13. Chapter 13 is called Japan, and I'm going to be talking about my trip that I took to Japan. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Crushing Indie Potential podcast, where I give you the latest tips and tricks to help you stay on top of your mental game. My name is Scott B. Harris, and I'm the author of the book, Crushing in Potential, Living with My Injured Brain. It's a memoir that was written and published after a dirt bike accident that nearly took my life. In season two of this podcast, I will be reading part two of my book. Part two outlines how I chose to overcome the adversity that I faced. Strap yourself in, because the show is about to start. Welcome back, you good-looking bunch of people. I hope the uh, the weather is as nice in your town as it is here in my town. The weather's been pretty good here in Melbourne lately, which is a bit of a surprise because uh, you never know what you're going to get in with the with the with the Melbourne, Melbourne weather. Uh, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, it's a bit of a surprise sometimes. How's your week been? Hmm, been good. Don't bother, don't bother answering that. Uh, I'm not going to hear. Uh, I'm on the other side of this uh, this speaker. If you didn't know, uh, instead, head on over to my social media and search for the injured brain. Not my social media, your social media. Search for the injured brain and send me a message. Uh, while you're while you're over there, don't forget to hit the uh, l- l- the the like button on Facebook. And hit the follow button on Instagram so you can keep up with every single thing that's going on in my life. Actually, sometimes I'm a bit lazy. I don't put everything up on on uh, on, on on social media. I should, but uh, I don't. Um, maybe that's something that I'm going to work on this year. Uh, technology these days. Look, there's that technology. You can be on the other side of the world and in an instant you can send me a message and I will probably get it if I'm not asleep. I'll probably get it straight away. It's amazing. Amazing. Uh, could you could you imagine if a if a caveman or sorry, a cave person, to be more politically correct in this day and age, a cave person got dumped here in 2021. <laughs> Oh, they'd probably they'd probably say something like, uh, "Okay, so I'll do this in my best uh, my best caveman, cave person voice." Uh, uh, so stuff this, your world's messed up. <laughs> uh, I'm going back to I'm going back to caveman person days uh, where where life was simple. <laughs> Uh, what the bloody hell did you do to this world? <laughs> oh, while I'm, while I'm here, why does, every, why does everyone think that behind every bloody corner is a bloody saber-toothed tiger? <laughs> I've, never, I've never even seen one. And, and, and what's all this talk about freezing? 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know. One person has ever seen something, uh, seen something that's, that's going to kill him and, uh, and frozen. <laughs> we shit ourselves and make a run for it. <laughs> Stuff that. Okay, I'll go back. Bye-bye. Or something like that. <laughs> uh, all right, that, uh, that, that story, uh, that, 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 that little, uh, little one thing, little whatever you want to call it, went on a bit too long. Um, uh, okay, so uh, let's get into it. Uh, first off, I just want to show my gratitude for you taking the time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. See, time is the most precious resource that we can never get back. So I appreciate you spending the most valuable asset listening to me, listening to me share my thoughts on this world, on this place. So thanks, guys. Imagine, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if the, uh, the, the, the cave people knew anything about gratitude, knew anything about meditation, knew anything about mindfulness. It would change their life. It actually probably changed the course of history, and yeah, would uh, would maybe would be much more different people. Maybe we, we would be much more loving people, or maybe we. Who knows? There's no way to predict what what would happen. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm going to get into it. I've been uh, been been talking too long. Let's let's go. Okay, we are up to chapter number 13, and it is this chapter is called Japan. And the quote that goes with this chapter is, Travel is the only thing that you buy that can make you richer. By Anonymous. Not sure who, that, uh, who, who, who came up with those, those words of wisdom. But they made it into Scott B. Harris's book. They made it into Crashing into Potential Living with My Injured Brain. Bet you did. Bet you when they came up with that, they uh, they didn't think it would make it that far, did they? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just uh, just entertaining myself. All right, let's get into it. On my return from Hawaii, things seemed different. It was as though the air had changed. I had come back to some peaks with a confidence, and I felt like a new person compared. With when I left Australia. I think this showed on my face, in my words and in my actions, because right then everything started to go right for me. I was back in the hostel and Darlene told me that even though the place cost thirty two dollars thirty two Canadian dollars per night, it would only cost me four hundred and eighty Canadian dollars per month. This lifted a burden off my shoulders and I was and I wrapped my arms around her so tight for giving me a home for the season. Going out of the book quickly here. Uh, there was um, so in the end there was uh, there was a group of us that ended up um, that ended up staying in the hostel for the season and staying with with Darlene. So that was so uh, that was pretty cool. Alright, back to the book. Although I wasn't working, I was spending most of my time volunteering with ASP. This had become a three to four hour, a three to four day a week job, and I and I really took pride in it. I wasn't I wasn't doing much, but just being there to help made me feel important. And they appreciated uh, that a one-armed guy with a brain injury from Australia wanted to help out. Through ASP, I was introduced to two girls who were a few years younger than me. Laura and Sophie had both come over from the UK 
to learn to sit ski and the staff and volunteers at ASP were determined to help these girls get up to speed with, the, with this new skill. A sit ski is a single, du- single or double ski with a chair fixed to it which someone with a lower limb weakness or balance issues can sit on uh, on to ski down uh, ski down a mountain. It is basically a wheelchair without without the wheels for the snow. It's a simple con- it's a simple concept, but it opens up a whole new world for people with disability such as Laura and Sophie. These two young women were completely inspiring. As I do I shared, I shared my story with them while we were enjoying lunch at the village after a morning on the snow. There, was, there I was thinking I was doing a fantastic job traveling with an injured brain. I still had one working arm and my mobility was okay. Well, Laura and Sophie were traveling the world in wheelchairs. They had both, both lost all of their lower limb function. Laura said to me exactly what I'd been thinking for the, for, the, for the past four years. Why would I let my disability stop me from living, living the life I wanted to? This was totally it. Laura put into words what I'd been struggling to do for so long. Ever since my accident, I'd been trying to prove to myself uh, that I was still able. This was, this was the wrong mindset to have. Why, why did I need to prove anything to anyone? I didn't, and especially not to myself. Instead, I just had to get on with living the life I wanted. Since then, my mindset has been, I'm not going to let my disability stop me from doing anything I want to in life. We might not always realise this, but the world is a pretty cool place. Anything that can be done with an able body can also be done with a disabled body. If you want to be inspired, sit down and watch the Paralympics. There are two or more ways to do everything in life. Perhaps you just don't know them yet, but you can start to find you can start to find out. Sophie has continued with her sit ski career and is ranked number twenty sixth and twenty eighth in the in the world giant slalom and slalom respectively. She is now gunning for the two thousand and eighteen Paralympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Uh, just going out of the book quickly here. Unfortunately, she didn't make uh, she didn't make that Olympics. Uh, didn't make the team for that Olympics. Uh, but she was going to go for the 2020 Olympics, and we all know how 2020 turned out. So maybe she's going for it next year. I haven't spoken to her in quite a while now. Okay, back to the book. An Australian couple, Steve and Tian. Moved into the into the hostel, and I instantly had a connection with them. Steve was an electrician like me, and that bonded the friendship. Everything, everyone loves a good picture of themselves doing something pretty awesome, and Steve was no different. We would spend hours in the terrain park trying to get the best shots of him doing his signature signature trick, the backflip. Without the ability, without the ability to do anything. In the park myself, I was happy enough to stand on the sidelines and take the photos. We're on page 10. Photography had uh, had now become a big part of my trip. I felt comfortable with the camera camera up in front of my face, like some part of a, some sort of mask. I spent so much time with my camera every day 
that I was really starting to learn how to take good shots. I felt great to have so much confidence in something that I loved. Since my accident, I hadn't felt confident doing anything that required too much skill. But uh, and until I started taking photos, I eventually learned everything about the camera because I was using it every single day, and it made me feel made me feel really great. My working visa visa for Canada had arrived, and for a complicated reason. To do with my trip to Hawaii, I had to fly out of the country and back in to validate it. So I'm just going to go out of the book here. Uh, normally what people do when they get a visa, they will validate, uh, they will validate it by just going, uh, going across the border into America, just driving down to the border, going back and validating it uh, on their entry into Canada. Now, because I had already uh, validated, uh, sorry, I had already um, started a tourist visa in America when I went to Hawaii. When my visa came through for for my for my working holiday, I was then uh, I wasn't allowed to just go down to the border. I literally had to fly to another country other than uh, America. So, uh, because there's only obviously two. Uh, two countries on that continent I had to get out of that continent and go back in uh, it was either it was either either Mexico or or Japan and being the uh, being the the winter snow season I knew that uh, Japan had amazing snow so I chose I uh, chose to go to Japan uh, and then when I came back from Japan I then validated my working visa and that's how complicated it was uh, that probably wouldn't have taken me that long to write in the book now anyway now you know Uh, so if you are ever planning on going to canada to do a snow season or go and work there uh, be sure to get your working visa before you go or else you'll uh, you'll come up against a few a few roadblocks okay back to the book for some reason i couldn't simply cross the border into the u.s and come back like everyone else at this point in my travels, I just did what I was told. Visas and entries and customs and passports and countries and checkpoints were still confusing to me. I didn't have the experience or the confidence to sort it out on my own. So I called mum. Good old mum. She's uh, she was uh, at this point she was a bit of my bit of a bit of a saviour. Um, but I guess as you'll read through the book, I was gaining gaining more confidence in myself. The cheapest flight she could find was to Japan and back. I had heard and read so much about the snow in Japan, uh, and I had a friend, Kayla. Kayla, shout out to you if you're listening, who was spending the season at, at a resort in Hokkaido, Japan. By this stage, I was gaining confidence in and around airports, but I still... I still didn't completely understand the process of getting from one checkpoint to the next in another country, safe and sound. This was only the th- uh, my third international flight in my life, and I uh, and I was going to a non-English speaking country. Fortunately, I discovered something when I was catching the flight to Japan that made me feel comfortable. Uh, for the rest of the trip it was that everyone in the airport wanted to see me see me and all the other passengers travel safely to wherever wherever we were going 
So I was going to accept it. This was why they had information desks at various spots around airports, in case someone was confused about where to go and what to do. As I said, everyone was there to help. With my luggage checked through to Tokyo, all I had to do was go through customs and board the flight. That seemed simple until my plane was delayed and once again panic set in. What if I didn't didn't have enough time in Tokyo and I missed my flight to Sapporo? I didn't have a phone with any service in Japan, so I couldn't contact Kayla. I was nervously waiting for my flight, wondering what was going to happen, what was going to happen next. Then I learned another very important lesson. If something is challenging, just put one foot in front of the other and take it one step at a time. This was an important concept to remember throughout my travels. Only when I arrived somewhere would I then think about the next, my next move. I couldn't be too many steps ahead because knowing my memory, I would forget the first step. I had to be mindful of the present. This was very important to remember because I would often have to bring myself back from, from worrying about what was going to happen next or further into the future or how I was going to get somewhere or find something. There is a clear difference between anticipating the future and worrying about the future. I needed to anticipate what was going to happen in order to prepare myself, but I couldn't worry about it. This applied to every stage in my travels and now, and I now use this approach in all other parts of life too. Eventually I arrived safely at Narita Airport, stayed overnight in Tokyo and really couldn't believe how lucky I was. Then I flew to uh, I flew to Sapporo on the North Island of Hokkaido, really for the next uh, ready for the next ready for my next challenge. At the airport information desk, they gave me the option uh, option of catching a shuttle express to the resort or train to New, uh, or a train to Naseko, which only had one layover and a train change at Otaro Station. I thought, let's keep this adventure exciting and catch the train. Uh, what, what's the worst that can happen? Well, yeah, you, you'll see. Uh, what's the worst that can happen? Well, this wasn't, uh, this wasn't the wisest move as I had no phone to call Kayla uh, when I got there. And I didn't know how close the train station was to where, uh, to where she was staying. Oh yes, uh, it was getting dark too. Who cares, I thought. I, I, was, in, I was enjoying this little challenge. Uh, I, didn't have, I didn't have anywhere safe to leave my luggage in Canada. So there, we're now on page 112. So there I was on the train platform sitting on my 25 kilo, uh, 25 kilo uh, snowboard bag. My one arm wrapped around my 7 kilo a day pack supporting my 25 kilo backpack pack on my back. I stayed like this because lifting my pack onto my shoulders with one arm was nearly impossible. Why pack such a heavy bag, you ask? Well, as decision making uh, is difficult for me, I couldn't decide what I needed to do, what I needed on this solo mission when I left Australia. So I literally packed almost my entire wardrobe. Uh, going out of the book quickly, uh, it wasn't just my wardrobe. I actually, uh, I actually 
packed a whole lot of other useful, uh, sorry, useless shit as well. Um, I packed, uh, I packed a lot. I packed uh, my automobile. I packed my 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 bicycle. I packed a uh, packed a walking stick just in case I broke my leg and I need a walking stick. I packed crutches. No, I didn't really pack all that. Uh, not at all. But I did pack a whole lot of things that I didn't really need to be honest. Uh, anyway. Just throw things out, you say. Well, that would require more decision-making skills that I'm not equipped with. So I didn't. Instead, I decided to break my back for the 18 months. The train arrived and I used all the power my legs had to get to my feet and board carriage number four. If anyone watched, uh, what, if anyone watched me walking without my packs... They may have thought that guy's had a few too many vodka and sodas and should sit and sit the next one out. If someone saw me walking with 57 kilos of luggage, they, uh, they, they would surely think that guy's finished one bottle and started the next one. Uncoordinated and uh, un- uncoordinated was an understatement. On board, I saw three people who who looked like they might speak English. So I limped over I limped up to them and and asked uh, if I could take a seat. Keep in mind that my uh, by this stage my bags had not left my back since collection at the airport nearly two and a half hours prior and my back was really sore at this point. So the where the words yeah sure mate in a thick Aussie accent were music to my ears. I finally took the weight off my off my back and started chatting to Belinda, Colin and Alana mother, father and daughter. I told them that I was just going to get my ne- get to my next checkpoint and then work out how to find Kayla. They laughed in an awkward way, making me feel as though I'd missed something. It turns out that the shuttle would have been the smart option as the Seco train station was nowhere near where I needed to be and it would be dark by the time I arrived. In my mind, I thought I'd get I'd just I'll just get off at the right station, find a cafe, connect to Wi-Fi, tell Kayla I was there, get picked up, and everything would be easy to go. How naive was that? Going out of the book here. Uh, at that point of my my travelling, there were th- there were so many things that were just going right for me, and it kind of felt like I was just super super lucky. Uh, but I kind of kind of came to realise that you create your own luck. And by that I mean, you know, if if I if I was just if I was just standing uh, on that train and I wasn't, uh, you know, I was minding my own business and I was I was I was just keeping to myself, I would never have met this family, and I would never have gotten the help that they gave me. But because I chose to put myself out there and and open myself up, they gravitated towards that and were able to help me. And I found that I found that all the way around the world, that because I spoke to a lot of people, I mean a lot of people, um, just random people around the world, uh, I found that I I did have all this, uh, all this um, I guess, luck, if you want to call it that, just from opening up the old trap. So there's a lesson for everyone listening. Uh, if you want things in life, just talk to people. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get them, but... Um, you're going to be closer than if you don't. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. All right, back to the book. Belinda and Colin told me that I could go to their place and sort it out. 
from the comfort of a warm chalet. Oh my God, I said. Thank you so, 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 so much. You have saved my life. The gratitude I had at that moment was overwhelming. Off the train and, um, and onto their place, and I could finally relax. The next mission was to get a hold of Kayla, so I could finally, uh, finally get to my next checkpoint. They gave me their phone so that I could, uh, so that I could call. And can you believe this? It turns out that Kayla was staying just three doors down uh, from where I was making the call. The coincidence set me up for a, to enjoy a really good week. So out of the book again. So that was. That was um, that was that was such a surprise that when I called them, uh, they she answered the phone and told me, uh, "Yeah, I'm I'm three doors down from where you are now," and I was just I just couldn't believe uh, the turn of events that had taken place that day because by this stage it was dark and uh, and and I don't know where I'd be without the people that were helping me. So it was great. Back to the book. When I first went to Canada, I thought the snow was unbelievable. But in, in Japan, it was next level. I spent most of my week on the slopes with Belinda, Colin and Alana, my saviours from the train, as well as spending time exploring the, the mountain on my own. I went all over the seemingly endless terrain at Naseko, and I discovered my love of sno- snowboarding between the trees. At the end of, the day, at the end of day three, after being, uh, after being out on the slopes uh, most of the day, I was sitting in a cafe uh, where, when I got a little bored, so I started chatting, chatting to a group of, group of blokes next to me. It turns out that these these guys were also from Melbourne and were wake, uh, wakeboard instructors up at Lake Eildon in Victoria, a place I knew well. A few gags later, and they invited me to go snowboarding with them. So going out of the book here. Uh, Lake Eildon is. Uh, we've got a holiday house at Lake Eildon, uh, and that's where I've been. I've been wakeboarding there for years, and not. I don't really wakeboard as much now uh, after my accident. But prior to my accident, I did, I did quite a lot of wakeboarding there. And I just came back from there. We we just spent uh, Christmas up there. We spend most Christmases, well, every Christmas, up there. And I'm going there this weekend. Believe it or not. Uh, anyway, back to the book. Uh, we hiked to the top of the summit, over over the back and along the ridge of the mountain. And wow, I was not ready for what happened next at all. Those guys were way out of my league. Let's just say that I uh, I'm happy I'm still alive because their snowboarding was way too advanced for me. Uh, a problem. A problem I sometimes have is that I get carried away and forget to mention the details of my circumstances, leading to unex, unex, leading to expectations that I can't meet. I didn't even mention to them that I was relatively new to snowboarding, let alone tell them about my instability issues. We laughed it off and I learnt my lesson. These guys were some of the many, many people I met on my international adventures, who made it special for me? Uh, just going out of the book again. So it was. Um, I mean, it was it was awesome um, snowboarding with these guys uh, when we were down uh, down on the uh, down on the um, not in the back country. 
the back country is uh, is is the country that's out the back of the mountain uh, that is not near the not near the runs that are groomed. So when I followed along with my with my naive attitude, uh, we got to the top of the chairlift and uh, sorry we got to, we, we got to the top of the chairlift and then we had to hike up to the up to the up to the summit. And then we we hiked up, and as soon as we got up there, they basically strapped themselves in and and hightailed it out of there. Uh, but I was because I've only got one arm, and it was at that point it was a little bit difficult for me to uh, to to uh, strap my boots in. I oh, sorry, strap strap my snowboard on, and I took my time. So they were out before I could even. Get myself sorted out, and then I made my way down that uh, down along the ridge, and then down the run, and it was it was quite steep. I remember it being uh, quite quite steep at that stage, and I was I was I was snowboarding along the ridge, but I decided to drop in a little bit, and uh, not go all the way straight down because it was it was a very steep run. It was a would have been a double black run easily, and so I dropped in a little bit, and then I and then I traversed across, and I turned around and I looked up, and it literally there was like a, it looked like a wave. I was looked like I was under a wave of snow. So if you can imagine being on a on a surfboard and catching a tube and feeling the wave going over over the top of you well that was what it felt like but this was snow and ice and i can guarantee it that if that snow had have collapsed i would have been dead 100% and uh, then and 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 that's why this is unpatrolled unpatrolled areas because Dangerous things can happen, and I didn't really take this into consideration when I went up there. And luckily, luck, luckily for me, the uh, the snow didn't collapse. But in in Japan, you'll hear quite often you'll hear uh, you'll hear explosions going off, and that is that is the uh, the avalanche crew that would be going around and setting off avalanches so that people don't find themselves. Uh, in the middle of an avalanche when 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 the snow collapses so they pre-collapse the snow i guess yeah anyway that was uh, so that was that was a really really big lesson for me to uh, to learn and hopefully i learnt my lesson uh, i can't remember any other times that i kind of got myself into shit when i was snowboarding uh, yeah anyway back to the book as Kayla was working full time, I spent a lot of time discovering the place through my 18 to 200 millimeter camera lens. With my travel tripod, I was able to take nice shots around around the town in the darkness of uh, in the darkness of night. I'm not going to go quickly out of the book again. Uh, I so I went out one night. I went out. Uh, I went out um, shooting, and it was one of the coldest nights I've ever been out shooting my camera and I didn't have I didn't have uh, my gloves with me I had I had my inners but I didn't have any 
any gloves to warm up my hands. And uh, I went out that night and I, halfway through, I had to go into, I went into, uh, what was it? I went into a bar and uh, just to defrost because my, 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 my hands were extremely, extremely cold. But I, I ended up getting, getting some, some pretty good shots around, around the village that night. And also, uh, I remember they have, uh, every night they have, uh, they have skiing at night down one of the main runs and that was awesome that was really good to uh, look at and to take photos of the in a pitch black sky with these lights uh, shining and the snow uh, the ski slopes uh, was pretty uh, it was pretty good all right back to the book the base of the mountain and the night skiing plus the plus the spectacular backdrop made for some great photos however there were three problems i faced it was, it was so cold that my camera would freeze after 30 minutes. My hands would freeze even even more quickly, and I would get lost. Uh, we are on page 114. Oh, that was another, that was another reason, uh, sorry, that was another thing that happened uh, that night. Oh, well, another thing that I really had to look out for that night was my directions. Because it was, was dark, I, uh, I, was, I was really struggling with my directions around the village, and... Uh, and, and and when I'm taking photos, I kind of get lost and don't really look at where I'm going. And it's not like you when you're in a, <laughs> if I was in the bush, I could I could leave a trail. I was in the pitch black snow village. So yeah, that was that was one of the problems I faced. Now this might sound this might sound silly, but I had to be very mindful not of not losing my way. When I was just wandering around with no checkpoints, I would get very disorientated. This is uh, this is uh, this is all well and good in a city in broad daylight, but I was on the mountain uh, in the snow in minus twenty degrees Celsius, so it was dangerous. For the for this for this reason, I made sure that I never walked too far from where I was staying. At the end of the week, I went to an amazing amazing lo- local sushi train to indulge in more than my fair share of of fresh. Of, of the freshest raw raw fish rolls. In the morning, I said my goodbyes to the family, Kayla and her housemates, and I was on my way. At the airport, I stopped and smiled. I still couldn't believe the events and the luck that I was, that I was given. My snowboarding had improved out of sight, and I had, had worked out the perfect technique to get back on my feet from the powder snow. And that was not to fall down in the first place. Now that's the end of that chapter. Uh, we are now on to page 115, and I'll quickly just quickly chat before I read the first uh, before I read the first paragraph in the next chapter. Quickly chat to you about uh, about other things that happened that season. So another thing that happened, uh, sorry, that season uh, in in Niseko. Another thing was uh, one of my dad's friends was and his wife. Uh, Lance and Wendy, they were at uh, they were at the mountain also. So I caught up with them, said g'day to them, and that was really really cool to be able to see uh, people that I knew over 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 there. Uh, one one more thing was when I was at uh, at the airport uh, when I was at the airport waiting for my in, in I think it was uh, in uh, in Tokyo. It would have been 
when I was in Tokyo waiting, waiting at the airport, I sat down and had something to eat. And on the menu, they had food, but they, they, I, I couldn't read Japanese, and there was no English version. They were just, they just had pictures as well. They had pictures next to the food, and I thought to myself, "Ooh, that one looks nice." It was all colourful and looked really, really looked delicious. So I got that food, uh, and it got served up, and I nearly barfed. It was a gag. I was gagging the whole time I ate it. I ate the whole thing, but I was gagging the whole time I ate it. Little did I know, it was seven different types of raw fish. Um, it was, I didn't, know, didn't even know there were seven types of fish that you could eat raw. Uh, so there you go, it was, it was absolutely horrid. And one last thing was that when I left Sapporo, uh, when I left Sapporo, when I got the flight out of Sapporo, well, when I left Naseko, sorry, when I left Naseko, I had decided that I... I guess to save jet lag, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to sleep on, the, on my on my return trip, and I was, I went from Sapporo to Tokyo, and then I had eight hours in in Tokyo, and then I took another plane to Kamloops, caught the bus back up to the up to the mountain. I was in transit. I ended up being in transit for about thirty hours, and I hadn't slept the whole time. So when I got back to the hostel, basically walked in the door and just died, just crashed, crashed out. And yeah, that, so now that was that was a, a very that was kind of a, a really exciting uh, week that I had of my trip, uh, and and as you'll find out through this, I had many many different exciting weeks of the trip. All right, I'll read the first chapter of the uh, sorry the first paragraph, of the next chapter before I hit the road. Back in Canada, had me back at work volunteering and helping out. The English girls were still at Sun Peaks, getting used to the sit skis. In just a week, they had improved out of sight, and they both loved it so much. It was it was such a humble feeling to be putting smiles on people's faces. This job paid uh, this job paid its employees in sat- in job satisfaction rather than hard cash. Yeah, my, uh, my, my, my reading is actually getting a little bit better. So this goal of mine to be able to read uh, is getting there. Uh, maybe it's not going to be long before I can read off a tally prompter. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you listen to my previous episodes, you know where that, uh, that, 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 that gag came from. Anyway, uh, I'm going to stop, uh, stop talking to myself. I'm going to stop entertaining myself and say to you... This week, uh, be kind to everyone. I hope you have a really good week. Uh, I hope to see you here next week because next week we are reading the end of season. So I'm going to be leaving Canada and getting over, uh, getting out of the place, getting over to to Europe, and which had so many, so many good memories from that place. Uh, yeah, until next till next week, uh, you do you and I'll do me. Uh, stay real, be kind to everyone, pay it forward, do something kind for somebody else. Uh, okay, that's it. I'm out. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the Crushing Into Potential podcast. I really appreciate your support. You guys are the reason that I do this. 
So if you haven't already, hit me up at The Injured Brain, wherever you get your social media fix. And please don't forget to rate, review, and share this podcast to help me spread my message far and wide. See you in the next episode.